Good morning, witches. This is the Witch Daily Show, coming to you from New Orleans, with host Tanya Brown. Our episodes span about 20 minutes long to give you just a little pop of magic. So, tune in, take a deep breath, and enjoy. Good morning. It is May 9th, 2023. It is Tuesday. I am Tanya, and this is the Witch Daily Show. Today's episode is brought to you by The Swallows by Kristen Clanton. So let's get your day going with a little magic. Our quote of the day is, even though you may want to move forward in your life, you may have one foot on the brakes. In order to be free, we must learn how to let go. Release the hurt, release the fear, refuse to entertain your old pain. The energy it takes to hang on to the past is holding you back from a new life. What is it you would let go of today? Mary Morrissey. So we are drinking Dark Fae, which is a mate from Sip a Spell. And this is just the, I named it Dark Fae because it has so many elements of summer, right? It has tropical fruits with mango pieces and uh, ginger and pineapple and papaya, and it's very tropical, but it has this depth and richness and darkness to it that is just so seductive. And uh, the idea of like this dark fae creature just felt so on point. It is highly caffeinated. So if you have problems with that, avoid. 100% avoid. Um, It's, again, highly, highly, highly caffeinated. So we are talking about ginger. And yesterday we talked a little bit about the history of ginger, kind of the debate on how old it is. And today we're talking a little bit about the health of ginger. So this comes to us from a website, which may be just for you, if you like ginger, called gingerpeople.com. It's all about ginger. (laughs) And I love it. So this is about uh, ginger health. So particularly helpful in the digestive system, ginger increases saliva and other digestive fluids, helping to alleviate indigestion and associated problems with bloating and flatulence. Regarded as an effective carminative, basically that's science speak for a substance which promotes the elimination of intestinal gas. It is thought to be by many nature's greatest antidotes and general digestive distress. So historically, ginger has been used to help uh, alleviate nausea from motion motion sickness, uh, morning sickness for pregnancy, and more recently, nausea following chemotherapy. Feeling chilled or just can't get the blood flowing, use ginger. It helps improve circulation and helps move uh, blood to flow more freely. So this also explains why in Eastern medicine, ginger has been used as a libido stimulant for centuries. Yeah, it's powerful. It's a powerful antioxidant, anti-inflammatory, great for joint and muscle pain, migraines, 
Uh, a nightly tonic of ginger with a splash of lemon and honey will soothe the throat and give a kick to f- colds and flu. Love it. All right. So we are doing another headline and it's talking about this same person we were talking about yesterday. Uh, the person who did the interview for Scientific um, America. And this is from InTheseTimes.com, How Capitalism Turned Women Into Witches. And um, apparently it's a book, which the other article didn't really touch upon. But Sylvia Ferdici's new book explains how violence against women was the necessary precondition for capitalism. So let's get the book title because that they did not give us the book title in the other article. Let's see. They're also hiding it. What is up, my friends? Oh, okay. It's her book is called Witches, Witch Hunting, and Women by again Sylvia Ferdici. Ooh. Okay. So the Italian socialist feminist Sylvia Ferdici is a mandatory she's mandatory reading to understanding gender politics in 2019. The opening sentences of her 1975 pamphlet Wages Against Housework, they say it is love, we say it is unwaged work. We'll stick your head stick in your head and change your whole concept of family. It reminds me of that song that kind of blew up on TikTok. Um about labor and like how much labor women are expected to typically do in terms of being everyone's therapist, mother, housewife, you know, sex, like, yeah. But there's a line where it says, um, um, if it, uh, if it were love, you wouldn't make her do so much labor. And it's like, yeah, true. Um, even like, Sometimes I even feel that way. Even amongst my male friends, I sometimes feel like I have to be their mothers. And it's an odd – it's a very odd – women are just – it feels like we're just expected to be everyone's therapists and moms. And we – like, especially from some of my friends, I rarely feel like I get that same care back, you know? It would be different if I I got the same care back, but I very often don't. It's very – it's very fascinating. So, Fridici is not just relevant, but getting more so every second. Throughout her work, she traces how capitalism affects and infects the private feminine sphere of unwaged domestic and reproductive work. She uncovers all of its toxic layers of lead paint and obsessed it, uh, asbestos until its explosive foundations are clear her work is essential to decoding the present moment as capitalism and patriarchy entwine to produce increasingly grotesque offspring predatory adoption agencies coercing women into giving up their babies the cost the exorbitant cost of child care causing single working mothers to go bankrupt entire industries where the opportunity to abuse women with impunity is a perk for the powerful men up top and, thank goodness, we seem to know it, half the young leftist women writing today are rifling on Ferdici's work. Ferdici's latest, Witches, Witch Hunting, and Women, updates and expands the core thesis of Caliban, in which she argued that witch hunts were a way to alienate women from the means of reproduction. In the transition from feudalism to capitalism, Ferdici argues that was an uh intervening revolutionary push towards uh communalism so communalist groups often embraced free love and sexual uh exploration 
So unmarried men and women lived together, and some communes were all women. And even the Catholic Church only punished abortion with a few years' penance. For serfs who tilled the land in exchange for share of its crops, home was work and vice versa. Men and women grew the potatoes together, but in capitalism, wage laborers have to work outside of the home all the time, which means someone else needs to be at home all the time doing the domestic work. Gender roles and the subjugation of women became newly unnecessary. Early feudal elites in rural Europe enclosed public land, rendering it private and controllable, and patriarchy enclosed women in private marriages, imposing on them the reproductive servitude of bearing men's children and the emotional labor of caring for every man's need. Pregnancy and childbirth, once a natural function, became a job that women did for their male husband bosses. That is to say, childbirth became alienated labor. Witches, according to witch hunting texts like the uh, the Hammer of the Witches, were women who kept childbirth and pregnancy in female hands, midwives, abortionists, herbalists who provided uh, contraception. They were killed to cement the patriarchal power and create subjugated domestic labor class uh, necessary for capitalism. Quote, the body has been for women in capitalist society what the factory has been for male-wage workers, the primary ground of their exploitation and resistance. The elegance of this argument, the neat way it knots together public and private, is thrilling. There are moments when Friedrichi makes sense like no one else, and in the passage she explains how sexuality, once demonized to protect the cohesiveness of the church as a patriarchal masculine clan, became subjugated without capitalism. Quote, once exercise denied its subverse poten uh, potential through the witch hunt, female sexuality could be recuperated in a matrimonial context for reproductive ends. In capitalism, sex can exist only as a productive, uh, yeah, productive force at the service of procreation and the regeneration of the waged male worker and as a means of social appeasement and compensation for the misery of everyday existence. In other words, a man can sleep with his wife to produce a son and heir, and he can sleep with a sex worker to blow off steam, but it serves him well to keep the sex worker criminalized and the wife dependent. Both are workers, and he, as the boss, does not want them to start making demands. Whew, wow. Yeah, this definitely feels like a must-read, especially in today's uh, social climate. Wow. That's in, that's wild. I'm definitely buying this book. If I wasn't convinced yesterday, I'm convinced today. All right, witches, I'm going to throw this over to our moon correspondent. And after this break, we will talk more. Hello to all of my astro friends. This is Serendipity, the Chicago astrologer, coming at you with your daily moon mantra for Tuesday, May 9th. The waning gibbous moon puts in the elbow grease in Capricorn today. Here, the moon trines Mercury. Mercury is still retrograde, so it's not really a great time for communication with others. But the retrograde is great for communing with yourself. Check in with yourself. Mercury in Taurus talks to us about our sense of self-worth. The Capricorn moon says that if you work hard, you deserve the rewards. You might feel better if you revisit one of your personal goals. Something that you can work on that makes you feel good about yourself. Dig that project out and really get into it, even if it's only for you. 
you'll end this day feeling much better about yourself than when you started it. Your daily moon mantra is, normal is an illusion. What is normal for the spider is chaos for the fly. This has been your Daily Moon Mantra with Serendipity, the Chicago astrologer, signing off and reminding you that you are in charge of your own destiny. In the Black Mountain region, Full Mouth is a town of women and children. When local mothers start dying, the town is panicked. At first, the citizens believe the deaths are suicides, yet 15-year-old Pearl is unconvinced. Pearl has known visions her whole life has known the feeling of when the darkness shifts inside her and her power comes to the surface. But having recently moved to Fullmouth, the supernatural is suddenly magnified. She now finds herself able to commune with ghosts. She sees visions of how mothers will die. Relying on these powers, Pearl faces a daunting foe and the responsibility of saving the town. The only question is, will she be too late? Built on history, folk tradition, and witchcraft, The Swallows is a horror novel that explores a small town's connection to the spiritual world and the families that fill it. The Swallows by Kristen Clanton is available wherever books are sold. All right, we are back, and we are continuing on our series about fae and different versions of the fae. So yesterday we talked about nymphs, which I believe are more Greek- um, just based off the information about like Olympus and all that. Um, today we are talking about an Irish fae, which is the changeling. So the changeling is very fascinating. And basically it's about this idea that a creature is going to replace your child essentially like from what i believe the lore is a creature monster will come and swap out your baby for its baby and this really does keep in line with the myths of like the like the fairies will steal you so this isn't kind of new and it get it lends towards this and if if we take seriously the theory we talked about yesterday with the um sanitization of the fae um, it makes sense, right? A, a lot of fear would probably be around uh, a long time ago, what we would maybe now today call SIDS, sudden infant death syndrome. And I think maybe there was a fear that in the middle of the night, someone would come and take your baby away, you know? Um, and so it's really fascinating. So let's dig into like what it's really about and not just what I think it's about. <laughs> so this comes from the irishpost.com. So not quite as sinister as the Banshee, but we now come to a creature of ill omen, changelings. When the word fairy is mentioned, many think of gentle beings with nothing but pleasantries for their human counterparts. As we discovered with the Banshee, that certainly isn't the case for changelings. Changelings were fairies who had been left in place of a human child or baby who had been stolen by the fairies. So the child was taken for one of three reasons, to act as a servant, for the fairies to receive the love of a human child, or for malice and revenge. So most of the times the exchange was made with a fairy change, So, but occasionally an elderly fairy would be swapped so that either it could live out its life in comfort of the care of a human or so that it could die. So usually it was the fairest, most beautiful children who were taken because the fairies craved and admired these traits. 
So often a baby might become ill or take on a strange appearance or a person might be left unable to move their limbs. Fairy struck, as they called it, and the local people would begin to suspect a fairy work. In medieval times, children with deformities, illnesses, or conditions that were unexplained at the time were thought to have been because they were replaced by changelings, which is why many were abandoned or even killed. But there were those who suspected their baby had been uh, swapped with a changeling, who still felt as if they had to look after and love their changeling child, for fear that the fairies would harm their stolen child or, or worse, never bring it back. So belief in changelings endured in parts of Ireland until as late as 1895, when Bridget Cleary was killed by her husband who believed her to be a changeling. So some believe that the origin of the changeling myth stems from a very dark corner of the mind, Changeling tales illustrate an aspect of family survival in pre-industrial Europe. A peasant family's, uh, you know, they frequently depended upon productive labor of each member, and it was difficult to provide for a person who was a permanent drain on the family's scarce resources. So if a family felt unable to care for a child, particularly one they felt would be of no use to them, due to maybe an undiagnosed condition, it was easier for them to lose the child believing that they had been taken by a gang of fairies than it was to believe they were going to let their child die. So infanticide was a horrible yet very real aspect of rural living in the medieval world, and the fact that changeling tales so often mention their ravenous appetites suggests the parents of these unfortunate children saw them as a threat to their family's continued existence, and that allowing them to die might be the only way to save everyone else. So the changeling stories just help them down the horrible uh inevitable path so at least that's one of the theories so um but i can see so many of these theories kind of making sense right uh maybe uh postpartum psychosis which uh is now being uh given more of a shine light on where how many mothers have we seen who think their children are, are demons you know so there's postpartum psychosis um what this article theorized was that uh, they just couldn't care for their children, and this was a coping mechanism. Uh, we have children who uh, pass away, uh, children who may be uh, have uh, deformities or undiagnosed conditions. It's very fascinating. I, I've always found it very fascinating how these stories come about. Um, I will warn you, there is a movie called Changeling. I do not recommend it. It is not about spooky creatures. It's about a lot worse things. I do not recommend. All right, witches. We are wrapping up this episode of the Witch Daily Show. I have a little bit of behind the scenes tea for you. So as you know, my main job, other than uh, entertaining all of you, is uh book publishing. I edit. I love editing. Oh my gosh. I'm consulting on a story right now and I'm having the time of my life. I love consulting on writing and storytelling. And um, I actually consult on novels on the side. So uh, reach out if that interests you. Um, but I do a lot of 
book publishing. So Michael Herkus, who we had on the show, he wrote and created and designed this beautiful book on glamour magic. It is definitely one of a kind. It is – there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. And he really poured his heart and soul into it. So we opened up um, – but he only wanted a few – like he 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 wanted it to be limited. He wanted it to just be a special thing, and then we do something later. So uh, we opened up pre-orders, and we had the book ready, and the printers were starting to send the books, and the books were just not being printed right. They were like a little, just a little off center, so there would be like a white bleed line on the edge of some of the photos. Not every page, just some pages, and we're like, okay, but this is a night. This is supposed to be a really really nice, beautiful book. This is such a minor flaw, but we need them printed correctly. And we had about a hundred printed and we reached out to the printers and we said, Hey, um, this is print. This is being printed off centered. And this is just, we, we just can't have this. You know, it's a very, very minor flaw. Most people probably wouldn't even care, but you know, Michael cares about his book. So, uh, we we need this to be reprinted correctly. And they basically refused. They said, no. They said, this is, we consider this an acceptable error and you can still sell the book, so we're not going to reprint it. And they were like, here's how you can uh, prevent this from happening in the future. Um, do X, Y, and Z to your files and then it, it won't be a problem. And why this is a big deal is these are very nice books. So they cost a lot of money to print. and. With them refusing to reprint the books, now we have like a hundred orders with no books and the money spent on these books that we can't give them. So I, I definitely lost a few nights sleep over it. I had I, I had at least two anxiety attacks, which normally does not happen to me. I'm not someone who I'm not a fret like I do have anxiety and I do worry a lot. I have OCD, but like. This was new to me. This whole, this sort of like being worried like this was so new. And I really, really just didn't know what to do. So we figured it out. And basically, what we decided is the books that we have that have the small flaw on the edges of some of the pages, we're going to offer those book books at a discount. Um, Basically, they're going to yeah, so they're going to be offered at a discount, which one pays for the cost of their printing, but then also gives Michael his due as an author. And then, um, yeah, so that's pretty much it. So basically, uh, if you are someone who was like, "Wow, I really did want that book, but it was just a little too expensive for me, and it's not in the budget," um, it just might be now. Okay. So if you were looking at that book and you were like, that is really something I think would be neat, or I think my teenager would really enjoy it, or I think that's really cool, or you just are a book person. Um, I know a few people were like, oh my gosh, so this just means it's a rare version of an already rare book. I was like, yeah, that's how book people think. <laughs> so I've had people who were like, please, I want the flawed version because it's cooler. Um, so if you were someone who did want the book, but it was just too expensive, um, these printers being very difficult with us might just be your benefit because we still need to order the non-flawed books, but we need these other books to 
get sold so that we can pay for all that. So um, if that's something you're interested in, I posted a link in the Facebook group. We have a link on the witchpod.com link tree. Um, all you do is when you go to the book page, there's a drop down and you can select the standard book or the one with the flaw and it'll lower the price for you. So consider it, check it out. Um, but oh my gosh, I've never, which I'm going to be honest, I've been doing this for a few years now. The fact I've had so little problems was already a blessing. Something like this was bound to happen. You know, it's all about learning curves and uh, working in an, in an industry. You know, you, there are hard lessons, and this is just one of those hard lessons. And uh, on, again, the fact I've been doing this for eight years and we haven't had something like this happen is wild. So I guess it was just like about time. Um, so anyways, let's go ahead and wrap up this episode. I do want to give a shout out to... Elise S. Elise, you glorious, tenacious, tropical fish. Stephanie Young, you sweet, glorious banshee. Garris Sue, you avant-garde, splendid leprechaun. And finally, Christina Gerritsen, you bedazzled, talented Loch Ness monster. Thank you for so much being Patreon supporters. I really appreciate it. And before we leave today, we do have a card pull. Our card today is... The Knight of Chalices. Spike maybe loves bitch, but at least he's man enough to admit it. This knight's quest is one of the hearts, and if he has popped his pretty face into your reading, it's because there is a true, romantic, deeply expressive, and passionate influence in your life. This could be a forbidden tryst with a hunky demon or a whirlwind of creative inspiration, but either way, you should see where it leads. Cute. All right, witches, that's all I've got for you today. Don't forget any books, headlines, sources. Michael's book <laughs> can be found in the podcast episode description or witchpod.com. And we will talk again tomorrow. Witches. We hope you have a wonderful day, full of joy and gentleness and confidence. Links for this week's episodes, our website, Patreon, along with a free daily card pull can be found at witchpod.com. One stop for everything we talk about. Now, take one more deep breath and have a great day. <laughs>